Welcome to Thanks for the Memories. If you want us to stop podcasting, you can put your hands on our hot, tight little bodies and make us. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, hello. Uh, my name is Leslie. My pronouns are they, them, and I live in the hellmouth of South Philadelphia. And uh, joining me for this very special pair of episodes is uh, my stalwart companion, Kate. Hello, I'm Kate. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And I am also in the Hellmouth of South Philadelphia. And here uh, for the hat trick, third time <laughs> returning Woo! guest, Woo! Ash from Horror Vanguard. Ash, hello. Hey, it's uh, Ash, pronouns they, them. And I'm in the Hellmouth of podcasting. It's it's great to be here, as always. <laughs> yeah, the liminal space of podcasting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I I exist kind of as the opposite of a robotic sex doll. I'm just like a disembodied voice that like lectures you about TV. So unsexy. Yeah. Except for like that one person out there who's like, oh yeah, talk more about Buffy. This and is my lose. entire shit. Yeah. Yeah, that is my. I mean, I guess that might be my entire shit. That's how I end up meeting so many people on Twitter. So. That's true. We we are all here. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, How did we find each other? Oh, no. Oh, dear. Someone created us in their dorm room and then just left. And now we're (laughs) picking up the pieces. Yeah, they made us all to be podcasters. Yeah. Oh, God. Too real. What a horrible. Yeah. What a horrible idea. The Uber caster. Yeah. This is making me miserable. All right, sorry. Let's do vibes. <laughs> Let's do vibes. Um, I'm particularly excited to hear yours, Kate. But let's save that for the end, like okay. you know, as a, a big finish. So, Ash, okay. how about you go first? Yeah, I don't know. I would I would say right now my vibes are uh, so so. Last night I, I received the gift of prophecy from the hair spirits. And Ooh. gave myself a mullet, so right now my Hell vibes yeah. are DIY mullet. And I gotta say, it worked out. It worked I, out. Got, it I have I like to tell it. you, it looks incredible, yeah. Oh, I thank you, thank you, thank you, Excellent. thank you, everyone. And this visual medium of podcasting, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2024 is all about the mullet. Yeah, listen, <laughs> you listeners, heard it here it is, it's making a comeback. Cut yourself a DIY mullet. It's the most buffy thing you could do somehow. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. You yeah. either you either make a robot sex doll or cut yourself a DIY mullet. Those are really the two paths, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna do a thing, which those way, are the two Western things you can do. Yeah, which way? Yeah, <laughs> mullet, sex robot. Actually, that's not that far off, really. What about a mullet or a, a sex robot with a mullet? Whoa! Now that's whoa. too much. Leslie. Yeah, now we're just playing Calvin Ball. <laughs> That's what we call dialectics. Too queer. <laughs> is, Too that, queer. is that a uh, syn- synthesis? <laughs> yes. Yes. Heg- Hegel's doll. <laughs> that is Hegel the title of the mullet. episode. <laughs> um, Hegel's mullet. Hegel's, Hegel's mullet sex doll. <laughs> oh, God, oh, I boy. love this show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you can really let your mullet hair down on this episode, you know, on the show. That's true. <laughs> Comb out your mustache. <laughs> let down your mm-hmm. mullet hair. 
it's, it's a podcast about uh, Buffy and hockey hair. It's it's a good time. Yes, yeah, hundred <laughs> uh, <laughs> percent. Leslie, would you like to do your vibes? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> no, my vibes are <laughs> my vibes are dog shit today. Um, I oh, just no. had a yeah, I just had a really shitty uh day today, and like a million annoying things happened to make me. Uh, want to be in a medically induced coma. <laughs> oh, no. So that's where I'm at today. Ouch. But you know what? It's fine. I'm I'm here with the you know I'm here with Buffy and two people that I really admire. So Aww. that that can't be all bad. So it's true. All right, they Kate, are... let her rip. Okay, I'm so ready for it. <laughs> all right, I get Ash. Ash already knows about this, I think. But um, I'm ready because because you presented a a quandary and I immediately had a, a solution for it okay so um i just got home from my christmas break with my um family and one of my favorite things about coming home is like fully decompressing and having a day that's just about things that i like which is like mm-hmm. getting fixated on weird things that i find on the internet watching <laughs> buffy hanging out with my cats drinking too much coffee um, and so this morning, one of the first things that my partner said to me is, do you know what necro pants are? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no. And I was thinking like that it was like neoprene neopets pants or something. Like it was some sort of like <laughs> raver gear maybe. But neopets. what they actually are, uh-huh. are uh, it's a Icelandic um Icelandic witchcraft. They they think that this never these pants never existed outside of folklore. There is a pair of these pants in the Icelandic folklore museum, but they're like a replica. So basically, you would get a friend to agree to um when when your friend dies, you could skin them from the waist down very very carefully and wear their bottom half as pants on mm. yourself mm-hmm. um and then you would have to steal a coin from a widow and okay. you would put it in the empty scrotum of the pants <laughs> And somehow, and then you would do like a little, you know, ritual kind of thing. Um, And somehow the pants will soon become indistinguishable from your own body. And the scrotum of the pants will miraculously fill with coins endlessly. Mm, Like a slot machine. Yeah, which like. I guess my main thing about this is like, how do you get the coins out? That's very, and I, I have the answer. <laughs> okay. It's very okay. simple. Okay. You uh, install one of those coin purse snaps with the two little oh, prongy things. Go. Okay. Okay. And then you just pop it open whenever you need, you know, change for the bus. Yeah. All right. Fair. Problem solved. I like that. I like that. I like this idea. Um, I like. I. I. I have a kind of problem with it because what if your friend is, really? does not have a? Well, I mean, <laughs> why? <laughs> what if your friend that agrees to this does not possess a scrotum? 
Where does it? Oh, where do the coins go. Mm. Well, I mean, you have to find. I guess you could put them inside, but I would say it would be easier to find a friend with a scrotum. Mm-hmm. We, we that's do not like stand a... gender essentialist necropants. Exactly. That's true. That's exactly. true. You could also put them in a vagina, I guess. Oh my but... God. Okay. I figured it out. <laughs> okay. The scrotum gives you coins. The mm-hmm. vagina mm-hmm. gives you dollar bills like out of a vending machine. Oh shit. Oh, okay. Beautiful. So actually it's yeah. better. Or like to, an ATM. To skin perfect. a lady. Okay, or or a vagina haver. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Adam, for yeah. Thank you, Adam, for just like really just out of nowhere. Have you ever heard of necro pants? (laughs) Just, just yeah. And that's why we've lived together for seventeen years. He still surprises me every every morning. He says something very strange to me. Um, and I've spent the whole day thinking about them. That's great. And I, I love that. I love that that's my return to um, my own home. Because I feel like <laughs> thinking about necropants all day at my mom's house is weird. Like, her house is too wholesome and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do that, especially around the holidays. Yeah. Really hey, everyone. I got you necropants. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. What if I gave someone a promise for necro pants? Like I give them to next year to Adam. I'm like, honey, it's on. <laughs> you can wear I me. Swear. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be in the next issue of the Williams Sonoma holiday catalog. <laughs> yeah. A pair of necro pants. They're going to cost like $4,000. I hope they're more than that. I don't know. Four thousand is a real steal for a necro pant. I guess it's true. I mean, it is infinite money. Yeah, yeah right. So it's your, yeah, you'll you'll make that money back. Yeah, the, true. Pr- the price would have to be something Faustian, like like you oh, pay yeah. Oh, yeah. for your necro pants. First oh my born, god, what if it's yeah. like a O. Henry story where you like give someone your like the bottom half of your skin? And they give away, I don't know, all of their coins or like something really stupid. Oh, like and gift then, of the Magi style? Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. That's so stupid. <laughs> 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 they do a boxing Helena and you, I don't know. Oh, my God. That's a movie where. <sighs> it's a movie directed by David Lynch's daughter where. Uh, Audrey from Twin Peaks gets her limbs cut off. Yeah. Oh Lord. It's an it's an oh. interesting one. <laughs> Good stuff. Anyway. Hey, if yeah, if you weren't aware already, um, I'm sure you've surmised by now that this is a Buffy podcast. Um, the whole <laughs> impetus of the show it is to isn't. talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and, uh, it's true. and related uh, related themes and stuff. So yeah. Which which two... which of the Scooby Gang gives you the best necro pants? Is my Ooh. question. Oh, um, Giles. He seems the most financially stable. He is a That's small true. business owner. Yeah, but wait, does it matter? Because you're also, you're gonna get the coin from a widow. Oh, so I guess whose mm. lower half would you like to wear the most? That's the, <laughs> the question. Mm. I'm gonna say Spike. 
Oh, this is this is yeah. such a paradox because Xander would be the easiest one to kill and skin, but True. also the least pleasing to wear. Right. I don't want to yeah. wear Xander all all day long. He he'd be the easiest to like convince. You just like show him a boob, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll let you do whatever you want." <laughs> yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you the ha- bottom half of my skin, baby. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I wouldn't want to be reminded of his existence. Mm-hmm. In any fashion. Well, <laughs> well, speaking of giving people your skin, uh, I was made to love you. <laughs> we watched two oh, two episodes that pair together very strangely, um, but I kind of liked it mm-hmm. because it's both. Yeah, they're both about bodies and humanity, and like when when you're you and when you're not you. Um, yeah yeah and like what makes you you yeah exactly mm-hmm. and if yeah anyway so yeah so- our f- first episode is called i was made to love you buffy must start stop a heartbroken young woman who is manufactured to be the perfect girlfriend from destroying the city which she does not do and then finds herself <laughs> comforting the creation over the loss of love in both of their lives um, this is an episode that I like forget exists a lot, but it's actually really sad because it's like a class. It's like one of the classic monster of the week yeah. episodes, and we haven't had one of those in a in a while. We've been like dealing with Riley and dealing with Glory, so like just to have a complete like like start the story at the beginning, wrap everything up sort of by the end is, is just totally like foreign at this point in season five. Yeah, and we get our first Warren appearance. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's let's play our game because oh, I'm already excited okay. to yeah. Well, I'm very excited to talk about Warren. So Warren oh, God, is played by uh, Adam Bush. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adam Bush is his name of the actor. Um, okay. He. Uh, let's start. Let's guess how old he is today. How old do you think? Uh, the actor who played Warren is. Let's start with Ash. Ooh. Oh, this is really this is really hard. I I'm gonna. He I'm has gonna one take of those the... faces. Like he could be seventeen mm. and like forty five. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna take the high risk high reward and say he's like fifty seven or something wild. <laughs> he's way Ooh. older than we think he is. Okay. Kate? I was gonna say fifty two. So he was born in nineteen seventy eight, actually making him forty five years old. Oh, oh shit, he's so young. Yeah. He's way younger than most of the other people. The funny thing about Adam Bush is he was also in a Nickelodeon television series called The Mystery Files of Shelby Wu. He okay. was like the the guy friend to Shelby Wu. And um my acting coach in high school was a villain on one of the episodes of the Mystery oh, Files of Shelby yeah. Wu. So that rocks. No- Nona Lee Davis played uh, uh, some person who tried to uh, murder somebody by, uh, if I remember the episode correctly, somebody was in like a face casing, like they were getting their face plastered for some reason. Okay. And she came in and tried to snuff out the nose holes. <laughs> Oh shit! Awesome. It's a good way to kill somebody. Cool. It was really neat. So, there you go. That's my like Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation from Warren. (laughs) From Warren. Mm -hmm. Warren, one of the uh, 
future big bads. Yeah, we're going to be seeing him. The trio. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. A Um, bunch of goofy guys up to hijinks who certainly do nothing wrong or problematic. They all look like fucking dorks. Is like... (laughs) 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 These big dorks. Oh, Oh, God. So... it's it's really a quartet with Xander when you think about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try That's and put true. away my giant Xander is evil poster. No, you don't oh, have no, to. Honey, wave it loud, wave Feel it loud, free. wave it proud. Yeah, yeah this, is Although, this is this is an anti Xander podcast. He's not bad. Like at the beginning of this episode, I was extremely surprised. Uh uh-uh. um, uh-uh. No, I mean he always fucks it up. <laughs> he <laughs> always fucks it up. Okay, you you okay? Say <laughs> I'm just defend saying that- him. Try to defend him, and then I I will counter with that. Well, I okay. So at the beginning of the episode, um, you know, Buffy's punching the shit out of a like person in a big giant suit who turns out to be Xander, and like yelling about Spike being in love with her, and then she says, which I love this line: "My secret to attracting men is slapping them around and torturing them." The nice guys will leave, but then, like, people like Spike love it. And Xander's like, it's not your problem. But then he's like, hey, can I cop a feel? (laughs) So he gets there for a second. But he fucking doesn't. And I'll tell you why. But he doesn't. Okay. All right. But he doesn't because all the shit that he says in in the beginning of this episode was the literal, actual, like, linguistic opposite of the shit that he said to her when Riley left. Oh, I know. That's he why was it's so like, complicated. He was like, it's your fault. You pushed them away. Like, Riley's the perfect guy. I'm not gay, but I would totally, like, hold his balls in my hand tenderly <laughs> for five minutes. Like, like a baby bird. And, and not, in, not even for the chance of getting coins. No. Exactly. No, no just, coins. just like, cause. <laughs> Just because he Just thinks they're cause. soft. Yeah. <laughs> Powdered. They have to be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that pissed me off so much because it was a complete 180 from everything that he said before. So it's like I'm not giving him a pass just because he, like, maybe had a come to Jesus moment uh, that right. we saw off screen, apparently. <laughs> so, no, Xander was not. This is, Who's not this is Xander we're talking about too right this is like we're in season five now like we know the only reason that xander is like consoling buffy or trying to be supportive is because he's angling on fucking her at some point like he's not a friend he's like to this day oh that's so that's so sad oh that's terrible oh why is your shirt still on (laughs) fair enough no you're right i'm being too nice so this is the no nice to Xander podcast. Yeah, this is no, the Zeppo. Right. We get to be mean to him for every other yeah. episode in the show. Uh. <laughs> well, I guess I was so completely distracted by Warren being literally the worst. Oh my god, yeah. That I started giving Xander passes, which I shouldn't do. <laughs> I shouldn't do that, guys. So yeah, it's like comparing like a cat turd. To like an <laughs> elephant turd, like right, the cat turd right. is still a turd, but it doesn't look that bad in comparison. It's sm- a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you can deal with a it. lot less yeah. smelly. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So should we talk about uh, <laughs> April? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, heartbroken young woman who looks 
uh, exactly like Shannon Doherty that I thought it was her for a minute. And I was like, what are you doing in this episode? Like, you're famous at this point. Um, but it's not, that is not her. They are not the same. No. <laughs> not the same people. <laughs> well, it makes sense that she would be manufactured to look like a person like Shannon Doherty. Yeah, that may, yeah. Like the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. The preferences, yeah, of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just like, I don't know. I, the, the idea, I just think there's some, there's so much interesting stuff in here about who, once, once you like start feeling for April, that's when like this episode is really interesting to me. Yeah. Cause at first, you know, it's just like, okay, so she's like a sex robot that, this horrible man created but then like the sadness of her like you know being left behind by him and like clearly figured out somehow like they never really explain why she's able to keep going right yeah he he just says her battery should have wound down by now but they didn't so i don't know lithium mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but just like the I don't, you know, like when Buffy is, I mean, I'm skipping all the way to the end, but when Buffy is sitting with her at the end, it's like she's sitting with her as she dies. Yeah. And she's like trying to cheer herself up with all of the like ridiculous idioms that like Warren put into her brain. Like he couldn't even give her something interesting and original to say at the end. Yeah. She's still Mm -hmm. just, yeah. Like, well, I was a good girlfriend. Warren was a great guy. I should make, (laughs) you know, lemonade out of lemons. It's so heartbreaking. I don't know. Am I over? No, I I think. Over identifying with April? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. Because like you, you know, there are situations where like you kind of have to do that to yourself. You know, you have to tell the the sappy overused idioms to yourself just to like soothe something because otherwise you there's just like it's just miserable (laughs) like so really anything even if it's fake or manufactured or like literally just yeah printed on a a a mug at like tj maxx like anything anything to like you know cover up the fact that like warren was a piece of shit and also, he was your whole world, literally. Right. Yeah, her, her character is so sympathetic, too. Like, everything about her is just, like, heartbreaking. I know. Oh, God. I just had a moment where I thought about Zizek, and I was like, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking about, how you know, like, you? desire. Like, has mm-hmm. the moment the moment that desire is fulfilled, you don't want it anymore. Well, who's and- who said, like, Somebody used to say, like, I don't, maybe it was, like, I don't remember who said it, but it was, like, y- you can be the juiciest, ripest, perfect peach, and there's still someone out there who hates peaches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who said that. That might have been on, on a mug at TJ Maxx that I saw. Yeah, that I think it was like... Zizek, actually. Yeah. It was Zizek. Oh, yeah, yeah. And can anybody do a Zizek uh, impression? <laughs> Not on your life. I wish. I would have gotten I so much further say in life. Peaches. Oh my god! Now, now, that, now that we're talking about peaches, I just want to hear Zizek sing "Fuck the Pain Away." Oh god, <laughs> that 
<laughs> asshole. By the way, that asshole. Like he could just not be transphobic. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I think I think that point about desire is really strong too. Because like, yeah. it, you know, like fucking Warren making April is, is so like prescient in a world where people are like making AI girlfriend robot yes. website things and like. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, so Alan Badu has this beautiful book about love and communism called In Praise of Love. Oh, I keep, and I like, need to put that on my list for next year. It's so fucking good. But one of the, the big points that, that I take away from, I've, I read that book way too often, but one of my, like the points that I always go back to in it is like, love is kind of like the celebration of difference and April and these AI like waifu bot things, they're an attempt <laughs> to like create a lover with no difference. Yeah. Like April April doesn't exist. She's just an extension of Warren's desire. Yeah. And absolutely. like it's just and then she becomes self-aware sort of and it's just so like oh, April, honey, no, you can do better. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and like the idea that you can create like the perfect woman and I think in this case, like, it's extremely gendered, too, because it is, oh, like, yeah, yeah. it is this incredibly, like, docile, <laughs> except when she doesn't get what she wants. But, like, <laughs> she's, like, you know, she exists to serve him. And, like, there's a point, I don't know if you guys saw this, but, like, when it goes into her, like, Terminator yeah. bot yeah, yeah. thing mm-hmm. on the side, it just says, oh, like, God, yeah. kissing positions fetish and it's just all the bullshit that he just like programmed in for this person you know yeah just thinking like nothing about like interests or right topics to converse with like that's not what yeah she's just like uh uh yeah a shell yes a flashlight that can talk Uh. oh Warren Warren is just so one of those guys posting like an AI generated milk mag made with like cloven <laughs> demonoid hands <laughs> with the caption it's so over for you fem cells. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like return with a V. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about this uh earlier today that like there's more and more research into how like globally destructive ai is not just aesthetically destructive but you know it's like physically environmentally it's like bitcoin where you know it's like there there is a there there like there are are like actual you know server factories etc where like it takes huge amounts of energy to do these things they have to grind up like four thousand killer whales a day just to generate yeah basically just to generate one image of drake with boobies yeah like just (laughs) nothing nothing even aesthetically interesting you know just like like the amount of work we we are doing to yeah just like produce pictures of like traditional kids with six fingers it's so (laughs) fucking weird like just look at a rockefeller for once yeah i just think it's crazy like you could make you could just like hire a dumb artist to paint that thing for you you know like you don't it just doesn't make any sense and like 
it would be so much less destructive. They would have five fingers if you would like them to. <laughs> you know, like there's like such like an obfuscated libidinal economy thing going on here, right? Because instead of like like in the case of Warren, like instead of doing what Warren needs to do, and that's like unpacking his relationship to the patriarchy, which is the thing that cock blocks him eternally. Yeah. yeah. You know, like this thing that's like deeply psychically difficult for like this cishet man to accomplish. He's just going to like, how many, how many slave children died in the lithium mines so he could build a, a fuck bot with oral sex file one through seven, yeah. you know, like, like, or, or like, like the petroleum, like, like right, right now th- there are pieces of April and, and not the wonderful indie movie about a young woman coming home for Thanksgiving, but literal pieces of oh, April. Man. And some I watched that movie when there. I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. God, I watched that movie when I was like 18, 19. It was like forever ago. Yeah. Oh, I got a cramp. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I understand. I guess we could talk about like the justification of like sex robots and toys. Um, Let's get into teledildonics. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because, like, where does the line cross? Like, I mean, obviously, like, Warren said he didn't make a toy. He wanted to make a girlfriend. You know, which I think is very different from, like, making a thing to get off with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he said that, but then he only put in fetish file one through six. (laughs) But that's all he thinks a girlfriend is. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. That's... That's worse. That's awful. It is worse. But then, then, but then, then landed a human meat girlfriend Mm -hmm. with Katrina and then didn't like tell her about the sex robot, like have an open conversation be like, hey, I was in a really bad spot emotionally when I built April the sex robot. And like, (laughs) now I have to deal with the consequences of my actions. So sorry. Like, yeah. How did like, he land her? I'm so... I, I don't like, know. I really ugh. don't know. That that poor girl must have horrible self-esteem. <laughs> she she needs she needs a girl's night out. She needs a mani-pedi. She needs like... A, like we're doing this like a SEAL Team 6 rescue operation. <laughs> yeah. Well, she got herself her out note. of there. I'm glad that she That's lived. True. I forgot because I thought that April killed her. Oh, God. Oh, wouldn't <laughs> that be awful? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, mur- murdered by my crazy boyfriend's semi-sentient fleshlight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but like the saddest, yeah, I think the saddest part about it is that like, you know, at first you're thinking of her as like a semi-sentient fleshlight. And then it's like, as she's, as she goes and Buffy sits with her as she's dying, you're like, oh fuck. Like he really did try and make her human or maybe it's just that she looks so human that you just can't help but feel bad yeah i think that has a lot to do with it like she wasn't very like autonomic i don't know what the adjective would be for that but like she didn't look like she came out of pirates of the caribbean you know what i mean the rile i mean imagine if she was just a flashlight sitting on that swing oh my god (laughs) (laughs) talking yeah the the lips and she's like like, moving <laughs> and it's, you it's gotta like, make lemonade from my- I don't know why a flashlight talks that way. <laughs> it's got like a Mickey Mouse voice. Yeah. 
flashlights to talk oh. like yeah, talk like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> well, we can use Mickey Mouse. Make sure Mouse to use a now. water-based lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, like I think something about April that's like I don't know, really like jarring for me now, or like in my in my rewatch and prep for this episode was like, like the, the kind of like labor behind AI, right? A- AI is never like just this thing there is no full full automation right that's like that's that's mythology right. that's fantasy there's yeah. always going to be humans getting caught in the gears somewhere and especially now like the more we learn about ai like oh that cute little ai pizza delivery robot oh no actually that's a that's a horrible factory labor condition in the philippines where they're piloting those things around it's a nightmare right and then like with with april too like you know, she's there to supplant someone's labor like warren isn't if warren would have made the world's most advanced fuck doll and like would have made it from an honest standpoint of like no i'm making this thing for some freak shit it would have been cool (laughs) as hell yeah but instead he's like i i want to i mean like he's not thinking this literally of course but he's like i'm i'm trying to find ways to like supplant and like extract reproductive and emotional labor from women uh how can i make this more cruel and heartless and abusive oh i know (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then realizing that like that thing that you like checked off a bunch of boxes for is not what you actually want because that's not how desire works and love works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you just leave that thing behind and, you know, just discard it like you would discard any other just like piece of junk that. Yeah. Like we buy. A hundred percent. Like, who still has their original iPod? That thing is. Oh God, it's somewhere in a drawer. A... Yeah. yeah. Are we working our way towards like right to repair with April? No <laughs> oh, boy. Fuck yes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, I was just gonna say this is the shittiest version of that movie, Her, with Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end, she becomes like she like. Yeah, it's actually like the good ending. Yeah, because <laughs> she realizes becomes I'm actually the ether. <laughs> yeah, she realizes um, I'm actually too good for you, Joaquin Phoenix. Like, yeah, no, yourself. I'm good. <laughs> I'm just gonna hang out in this uh, weird AI space. I'm gonna hang out in the cloud. And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is pre the cloud, so you can't like upload April into anything. I guess. Yeah. So when she dies, that's it. She and was then a good Spike girlfriend. comes along. oh yeah i literally just again i must have like i knew this part happened but i didn't know when i knew that spike decided that he needed a buffy bot of his very own spike just making it so hard for me to love him really truly like i'm starting to think that i'm a masochist (laughs) at least he's not xander at least it's true no yeah still the still not the worst in this show i think the only yeah like the credit i give to spike is that he's not human and xander is and like spike is spike is like on like how in the next episode anya's working at like a deficit like she's never experienced certain human things and has Mm -hmm. no idea what to do with them and I think Spike keeps like fumbling. He thinks that he's got something. And then mm-hmm. he reacts with just like extreme anger and petulance and decides to make a Buffy bot because the actual Buffy won't have him. I think and, like, uh, yeah, that's not great. 
<laughs> the the kind of like I don't know like I I contrast Xander and Spike all the time when I'm watching the show because like through straight through the final fucking episode Xander never changes he's still the same he's still so possessive of the women around him so callous yeah. with their existences and like Spike Spike is a he's not he's Spike is not a nice fellow you know you no. don't bring Spike home to mom but like I mean they've tried with, <laughs> yeah with, with with that said though like. Spike is Spike is at least like trying to navigate his messed up like bombed out emotional interior like he's trying to do good at some point or like be better than he used to be and that's like something we could just literally never say for Xander right like Spike gets the actual like hero's journey eventually and does change you know so I guess it's like knowing that I keep giving Spike extra credit Mm-hmm. knowing how many ridiculous mistakes he makes mm-hmm. um, even even yeah. his even his buffy sex doll right like he winds up letting go of of the buffy sex doll and what's the, what's the oh my god what is it uh i can't think of the episode oh my god it's the last episode of season five and xander stumbles across the buffy sex doll and his, his his first thought, of course, oh, isn't like, how can gift. we use this? Yeah, the gift. There we go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Xander is still like, oh. And like in this episode, he's he is, you can tell he's like considering. Oh, 100%. Like, huh, what would it be like if someone made me a sex doll? Like, what if I got an Anya sex double who like didn't disagree with me about anything? And I didn't have to like deal with her, you know, like trying to become more of a human because that's a pain in the ass for me. He also like openly objectifies the sex robot. Yes. And Anya is just like, yeah, it's cool. I know he's, I know he loves me only. And even Xander makes a face like, eh. and I'm like, <laughs> I fucking hate this shit. I hate this. And even even I I just I fucking hate Xander so much. I'm sorry, but like even in, even in the <laughs> gift, he's like ca- cajoling Anya to marry him, emotionally blackmailing her with like the looming apocalypse for that shit. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, really? What's, what's like one of his final fucking lines in the show is "That's my girl." This, 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 oh, Spike should have killed him. Spike should have killed him in the first episode <laughs> with a fucking steamroller. I don't care. Like Xander sucks. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, he's only the stand-in for uh, Joss Whedon, so... Let us us draw no conclusions from that. Yeah, (laughs) really. Mm -mm. Nah, it's fine. Anything else before we we move on to the the piece de resistance? Mm. Let's do it. No, let's do it. Okay, folks, (laughs) we're getting into (laughs) the... I I guess I I mean I would say for me probably one of the most harrowing episodes of Buffy. Yeah, I guess also like mm-hmm. content warning. I yeah, guess. Yeah, let's and do also spoilers because this is like a pretty big spoiler. I mean we've said it before uh, a million times in past episodes, so if you've been following along, oops. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely content warning for like pretty upsetting stuff. Just if you're dealing with a lot of grief. Or yeah. loss, you know, this is a hard one to watch. It's tough, yeah. Um, so the episode is the body. Buffy and her friends are overwhelmed with grief, and their lives are changed forever when they must deal with the loss of someone close to all of them. I like how um, the 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 little synopsis they don't even doesn't. Say. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, That's well, good. the interesting thing about this episode and the one before it, which is like, I'm glad we paired it with I was made to love you and not like the opposite. Like we watched the body in forever is mm-hmm. that the episode before ends with Buffy walking into the house and noticing mm. that something's wrong with her yeah. mom. And then repeats that exactly in the body. This is also one of the first times where the episode does not open with a previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every other one for like probably the middle of season three, it's been a, a recap to to you know keep you up. But this is kind of a, it's almost a standalone story. You know, aside from a, a few snippets of Ben and Glory. Um, oh, no, that was the previous one, wasn't it? So this is like entirely yeah. a, a con- almost a contained start to finish episode. Yeah. And like there's no soundtrack. It's very much like, quote unquote. And I want to talk about this, like realistic, naturalistic mm-hmm. sounds. And there, And it is one of those episodes that is considered like, it's like a, critical success oh yeah and one of the reasons why like that i feel like we should talk about is like because it is realistic and not as genre and like we should talk about that like is that something do you think that's something where people take this episode more seriously well because they don't tie it to the supernatural can I, I, I wanted to share this anyway, but can I yes. read you uh, one star reviews of this episode from IMDb.com? Oh my God, what? Oh dear God. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so here's one from user. Uh... <laughs> oh boy. This user's name is Reality Check for You. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, okay, Sam. I'm going to do a, a dramatic reading. Okay. Uh, the title says, like, watching a different series. This is not Buffy. <laughs> this is a soap opera where a character dies. It's a boring <laughs> stage play that makes you feel miserable. Dawn was the first thing to ruin Buffy. Having a full episode devoted to the death of Buffy's mom is the second thing to ruin Buffy. Boring and depressing. Boring. <laughs> I mean, depressing, we- sure. Yeah, true. Accurate. Yeah. Here, here we go. Here's the, the meat, the nugget. We don't watch Buffy for emotional crap. Stop oh, trying to wow. shove melodrama down our throats. The series was likable for the humor and action. Was Worst- it? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, here you go. Here's the ending, though. It's okay. kind of a, an upbeat. The only reason to continue watching this series is for Spike, a great character. Mm, well, okay, I agree. But yeah, I, okay, yeah. Facts in the case, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that certainly is a reality check for you. <laughs> I, I've been reality checked. Check yeah, me. Buffy, my... My favorite show with no emotions. That's just wall-to-wall action. Yeah, there's nothing about trauma in Buffy yeah, no. at all. Humor and yeah. action for a show specifically labeled a supernatural drama series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I watch Buffy for the same reason I watch Crank, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm just here for the, the <laughs> yeah. white-knuckling madness. Or oh, 30 here's... Rock. It's just a joke a minute, rock. just crammed in. Here's another one. This is great. Uh, the show's strength. Li- I'm gonna do another voice. 
The show's strength lies in never taking itself seriously (laughs) until now. And it's painful to watch and not laugh at this ridiculous display of pathos. You laughed at this? You psychopath. Yeah, what a fucking good God. Jesus. Like, and you know what's crazy? These were like from two years ago. Oh, that is crazy. That's insane. So, like, nobody who, like, watched it as it was, you know, airing or, like, saw it, you know, on DVD or whatever. This is literally from, like, COVID era. Like, (laughs) Jesus. Maybe they were fevered. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they all had COVID. (laughs) They all had really bad fevers. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's fucking insane because it... It is some of the most, like, I think it's strongest because it is so real and subdued and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and draws a lot from, like, a lot of this is based off of uh, Joss's experience with his mom dying. So, like, the scene where she's looking at the phone and the buttons on the phone look all fucked up. That's oh, a, yeah. That's a sensory thing that happened to him after he, um, you know, after dealing with, uh, his mom dying and so like or like looking at the uh emt and like watching his mouth move all weird or the doctor or whatever because you're like kind of right. not really there you know you're you're outside of your your own body yeah so i yeah this is definitely my favorite episode hands down it's interesting because i think so i'm gonna refer to um one of my favorite essays that i bring out all the time um is uh it's this essay by linda williams called um film bodies gender genre and excess Mm. it's great it's such a good essay uh everyone should read it but she talks about horror melodrama and porn as like being Mm -hmm. extremely like embodied genres um and like people talk about horror like carol clover talks about horror and porn as being like extremely embodied you know things that you like react to while you're watching it like you scream or you have an orgasm um but linda williams talks about melodrama too um also as like genres that are not like super well respected by critics um Mm -hmm. considered sort of genre of excess in various ways um you know that they're like spill like you're just sort of spilling forth emotion in lots of different ways and it's interesting because this is like horror you know i mean spoopy i guess as ash would say (laughs) uh horror horror and melodrama in this episode particularly and like those two things kind of spill into each other a lot in this episode and like people talk about how it's an extremely realistic episode but there's also a lot of like sort of like light hallucination and like disassociation yeah and fantasy and dream that kind of like fade in and out of this Mm -hmm. too yeah buffy has multiple scenes of of her like joyce just suddenly being alive again and then getting better and like being Mm -hmm. and and like it's and then it hard cuts heartbreaking that's that was really rough Mm -hmm. i was like wait a minute what um but yeah uh i also have uh a a reading to present Ooh. yeah, I, Ooh, know, right? I love it when we have readings. <laughs> uh, well, there's a there's a 
a book called Sex and the Slayer. Kate, I think you, I don't know if you've read this, but I think you fucking I have it. love I don't it. Think I it's have. like a, ge- it's a gender primer. It says a gender primer for Buffy the Vampire Slayer written by uh, Lorna Jowett. So mm, she says, okay. <coughs> basically she says that, and I, I've thought about this a lot too, uh, watching this episode. She says that Joyce is, represents like stability for mm-hmm. all, you know, especially for Buffy, but kind of for all the Scoobies who, I mean, aside from maybe one episode where we saw Willow's mom, like don't really have any parental connections, you know? Yeah. So Joyce is like a stand-in mom for all of them, really. So her her death destroys this sort of dichotomy that like Buffy struggles with that like normal life, non-supernatural bam- vampire slayer life is like boring and trouble-free. And then on the Slayer side is, like, nothing but peril. And so it completely, like, shatters that. It's like, oh, no. Normal life can still be completely horrific and, you know, tough to deal with and struggle to accept. So I thought that was yeah. interesting. That mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. And, like, the, the idea of the melodrama as fantasy, you know, there's all this fantasy that's, like, in this episode that is destroyed you know like there's the perfect like christmas dinner that they're all having mm-hmm. yeah there's the moment where joyce recovers and like the destruction of that fantasy is also like sort of the destruction of the family for a lot of melodrama you know in some way that like yeah a mother dies a daughter dies like you know there's a breakup like things get sort of torn apart yeah 100 percent. yeah and it, Ash, it what also... do you think? oh yeah oh sorry <laughs> no, no, no. i'll save my point for later no i'm just really enjoying this this is great <laughs> i feel so smart <laughs> i'm here for readings this is good yeah, i haven't read either of those now i'm like oh i gotta catch up no like I, I mean like i think it's i think it's from like a formal perspective it's so important that joyce isn't killed by like a wizard or a yes. demon or a vampire or something right because like if Joyce would have been killed by anything fantastic, that would have opened the door to her being resurrected, just like yes. everybody else in the show. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the death is so, it's so real and permanent. And then Buffy's disassociation and that like, you know, like, like when you have someone close to you die, those like first few days or weeks after that, like you're always kind of like expecting them to call, expecting them to come back home. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of permanence of that absence hasn't set in yet. Like this is such an eerie, haunting episode. It's like like Buffy's not a scary show, but this is one of the few episodes that's like this is like a scary kind of ghost story episode. Yes, in, in a way. And then like even yeah. because there's that vampire fight at the end, right? Oh God, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Which a lot of people, a lot of, I mean, I don't know who exactly, but like a lot of critics, that was like a a, you know, like people didn't love that because it like took people thought it like took you out of the quote unquote realism. Mm-hmm. So I used to, I used to like not like that vampire fight for that. exact yeah. reason. I was like, Oh, yeah. is, that, is this like a studio thing where they're like, you're making a Buffy episode boys. If there's not a vampire in it, we're not paid. <laughs> yeah. He's but like, like chomping a stogie. <laughs> he's got the, the giant I want cigar. Three pictures yeah. of vampires on my desk by Monday. His, his monocle pops out when he doesn't see the vampire <laughs> in the final cut. What? Yeah. But no, it's Where's like. Where's my it's like, vamp? Even, even this kind of like fantastic, playful vampire stuff, like 
bends around the arc of of the body of Buffy's mom dying. And I'm like, you know, there aren't bodies in Buffy. Nobody really dies in this show. People, yeah. you know, they get dusted or they get vaporized. Yeah, vampires disappear. Yeah. 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 And this there is, is this no is like body. A corpse. Right. And it, and so that that fight in the end is such like a you know like the the kind of like the cloth falls off the body you know mm-hmm. while fighting the vampire and it's such like a confrontation with like the oh like this this is going to be a death that we don't just get over like the death of everybody else in the show. Absolutely. Even Buffy's own death. <laughs> that sort of touches on what I wanted to bring up is that that vampire fight it 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 highlights the fact that like this entire season this entire actually like couple seasons 4 and 4 and 5 has been like buffy struggling to deal with like powers and things that are beyond her ability to punch and like <laughs> kill yeah <laughs> um and so yeah so stuff like dealing with glory who is literally too powerful for her to just like knock her fucking head off Mm-hmm. And and her mom dying, who is just like, it, how do you fix that? Like, you can't, you know, you can't um, roundhouse kick your way back to her being alive. So the I think it's really interesting. The fight at the end highlights like, yes, this is something that I can do. This is something that I can kill. And this is a problem that I can solve immediately with with force and with fists and with my muscles. And then to see, yeah, to just have Joyce still be there and the problem, the problem, quote unquote, still be unresolved for her and never, never will be. It is like a a juxtaposition that I thought was just like perfect. Like it's perfect. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I think there, while I was watching it and the vampire rises up from underneath the cloth, at first I was like, oh, right, that happens. That's stupid. And then, you know, because it's like that always happens like in every, you know, if you're in a morgue in a horror movie, your back is to something that is going to wake up. Yeah. But being on the Hellmouth and vampires rising is like just day to day business for Buffy. And like you said, Leslie, like that's something that Buffy knows very well how to get out of and like that vampire like you said too ash like that vampire just disappears like mm-hmm. they turn into dust they're not material like they don't you don't see the like cold waxy skin of a corpse mm-hmm. which is terrifying you know it's like one of the scariest things you know the most abject thing that you come in contact with as a human is a dead body yeah because the the leakiness of what's alive and what's not alive and like where your body starts and ends like kind of unravels you know when you because you're face to face with something that's going to happen to you and like that's why this episode is so intense like they focus on Joyce's face as a corpse so a many lot. times and it's so mm-hmm. intense her eyes being open in that first scene too yeah. is just like brutal. For a really, really, really long time. Do you know they made Sarah Michelle Gellar do that scene? And that's a long scene too. It's all one take where she like sees the body. She goes into the kitchen to grab mm-hmm. the phone and come back. That's all one long shot. Uh, they made her do that seven times. Shit. Oof. Like imagine being so, having to be so, keep up that emotional rawness for seven like good 
45 to 90 second takes like oof insane just really really impressive and like the fact that her first reaction is that like glory is involved some in some way like there's got to be a reason why this happened yeah it again it's it's that thing of like there there must be a bad guy that i can defeat somehow and not just you know that's just life and that's you know that's just what happens you know there's no explanation for it that's like really really tough for Buffy to deal with yeah Mm -hmm. there's one cut of like Joyce in the morgue getting like her like you know it doesn't get very graphic but like getting the beginning of her like clothes cut off Mm -hmm. that this watch particularly I think really hit me pretty hard just like the cuts in this episode are really interesting and like so different from the rest of the show yeah the the scene the little moment that gets that got me and I was like oh my god I just I literally started crying um was she called the amp like the ambulances on on the way and Buffy Mm -hmm. notices that like uh Joyce's skirt has like ridden up oh yeah she like pulls it down Mm -hmm. as, as if that that's gonna do anything like but just something to you know yeah I don't I don't know why that got me that just really got me because it's like it's a tiny thing that that you would do for somebody if they were still alive you know right you don't want that you well, don't want them to see to see her like that it's just so human yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's just like a tiny little thing that like you know you would do you know yeah. like you don't want people it's like Uh, you know if someone you love is dead you want them to look as nice as they can which is such a Mm -hmm. wild instinct but obviously it's an instinct because I would do it too yeah Mm -hmm. um and then I think another thing that's really interesting about this episode is like at the beginning when Buffy's talking to the um like the person at on the 911 operator um you know they're like the body and she says no it's my mother and like is Mm -hmm. very intense about that and then by the end of the episode it's like it's not my mother anymore like she's gone yeah don says like where did you go or something like that Mm -hmm. to like really denote that yeah she's not she's not there anymore and like that there there it's just a strange thing that like in these two episodes there's like two deaths and like Buffy has to sit with April in the first episode and then like misses her mom dying Mm -hmm. yeah almost yeah basically because she's like out doing work (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean like that obviously fits in so nicely with like what's going to happen to Buffy over the rest of the season Mm -hmm. you know as, as she has to kind of like absorb elements of the reproductive labor that Joyce was responsible for. Yes. Yeah. And like really gets strained in that space of being like both slayer and surrogate mother while still trying to have her own damn life. Yeah. 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 We've talked about this before, how like she doesn't have, she doesn't really have a period of like young womanhood. She's Mm -hmm. like high school plucky, you know, Buffy, and then has a couple of like a season and a half in college and then Dawn shows up where she's basically, as soon as Dawn shows up, she's already in surrogate mom mode to me. Yep. 
Um, oh, definitely. And then yeah. oh, totally, yeah. more 100%. and more and more as Joyce, you know, has the brain tumor and all that stuff. Like, and then, yeah, this is like the, the final strands of her like girlhood have been completely cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, especially when they show like Buffy going to school to pick up Dawn. Yeah. And like she has to break the news to Dawn. And that's such a mom role, yep. you know, to be picking up someone from school and having to break, you know, just horrible news to them. Yeah. And this is like a sea change in the show's dynamics, too, because like after mm-hmm. this episode, you know, like like who does Buffy start like relating to a lot more? It's like Giles, <laughs> Giles and Spike. These yeah. other people who are who are like beforehand coded as being like these older adult figures who weren't kind of like imbricated in the teenage mayhem of the Scooby gang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like foreshadowed in that episode with with, um, you know, where Spike tells Buffy all about uh, the two slayers he's killed mm-hmm. and how Buffy is you know, the other side of the Slayer is this sort of like constant facing of and obsession with death, you Mm -hmm. know, that like she's really close to death and there's part of her that sort of like lives on that, that needs that. And those are things that like 22 year olds don't like literally their brains are not formed to understand that yet. (laughs) You know, like, uh, so to have to face those things is, you know, something that would definitely alienate you from your friends who are still sort of dealing with things like coming out and like getting a job yeah. and things, you know, not that those are not important things, but they're very different from, yeah. you know, like the grief of like being a slayer in general and then being a slayer who lost her mom and has to take care of her sister who is a key <laughs> it's a lot she's got a like lot on her plate magic a lot going on. <laughs> by the um. way this this rewatch too has is the most sympathetic i've ever been towards dawn i don't know oh my god i was gonna feels. say that yeah i'm so on dawn's side i i have come around on dawn me too i don't know if it's like an age thing or or what it is but like I really identified with her in that, like, one, even just, like, being in school with her for, like, five minutes and being an outcast and, like, having someone sort of be like, actually, you are kind of cool. And, like, I like the painting that you're doing, you know? Like, yeah, that oh, moment. A, mm-hmm. And also just, like, the fact that she had to be drawing negative space right before her mom dies mm-hmm. yeah right intense. like how how fitting oh man but yeah this is the most i've i hated dawn i think on my first couple of watches <laughs> of buffy i think that's so natural though right because like dawn is kind of reinserted as a teen by the time everyone has moved on to like young adulthood right yeah and that kind of that, that works keeping a pace with like the viewership of buffy like if you had been watching this season by season kind of age out of that with them and then you're like shocked into this acid bath of your awkward teen years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, who's this yeah. jerk? I don't want to think about being 13. There's a name for that, <laughs> isn't it? Like, the Cousin Oliver? Oh, yeah, like, it's when a... they bring, when they yeah. try and refresh oh, a show yeah. with a kid. 
in- yeah. inexplicable. Yeah. yeah, just to yeah to try and capture yeah uh, uh, the interest of like a younger audience. But I think yeah. I think it's different because Dawn has like plot a plot purpose. You know, I I don't really see her as like a a cousin Oliver or like yeah. It's know. funny that people think of it still think of it that way because I think that she yeah I mean I think plot wise she absolutely serves her purpose yeah she makes sense within the context of the show right and did did like teens like Dawn when the show was out because I like nobody likes Dawn that's the thing about Dawn Right. It's it's not like it's not like they dragged her out as like a a Robin to Buffy as Batman, where Dawn is now cool and kicking ass and has an exciting (laughs) costume. Yeah, and saying she's there and she just like sucks and is annoying like a teenager. Right. Yeah, she's like so real. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe now that I'm like, I could have a Dawn. I'm like, oh, (laughs) I should be more thoughtful about awkward (laughs) tweens, you know? Like also my Yeah, my niece, my nieces um, and nephew um, on my uh, partner's side are tweens and I'm watching them be awkward and like, I can't wait until they're old enough to watch Buffy. It's going to be so exciting. But (laughs) but yeah, like that is a rough, rough time in life. The Mm -hmm. junior high years. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Middle school was way worse for me than high school. Oh, absolutely. It's a nightmare. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fully a it is a bodily nightmare for sure. Like Mm -hmm. hormones, strange thing, you know, just like the idea of being a kid and suddenly like all these scary things happen to your body. It's so wild. And like for Dawn to have all those things in addition to like basically being a new thing, (laughs) you know, but like not really, that's insane. So I feel like I just have a lot of empathy for her that I didn't used to have. Mm -hmm. And Dawn's like part character, part MacGuffin too. So it must've been so hard to like write her and keep her active in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I was saying earlier, like just having, a few minutes with her at school was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Like she has, she has a friend that she talks to in the bathroom and she like maybe has some artistic talent. Like that really gives her some shades that like you don't necessarily get as just like Buffy's annoying younger sister who breaks things yeah. all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a question. Yes. Is this the first time we have seen Willow and Tara kiss on screen? Mm. It is, right? I thought that was the it, body. I thought that's has... the other thing about the body besides yeah. the body is that's their think, first kiss. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Because they've been like dancing around it. Like literally there's scenes with T- Willow and Tara dancing at the bronze or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously they're like they're fucking, but like we just don't get to see mm-hmm. any of it yeah I, i'm assuming i can't i can't tell if i appreciate or am annoyed by their almost like kind of lack of pda oh like lesbian bed death situation i mean i don't mm-hmm. want it to be like like the the very special lesbian kiss episode like where they're like <laughs> you know they're fucking like rose petals start coming down from the ceiling and that song is like da-da <laughs> that's later that's in the uh once Um, more with feeling yeah yeah exactly a Um, bunch of lavender and battle axes just yeah (laughs) 
great. Yeah. Like uh, Joan of Arc boob uh, chest armor. <laughs> boob plates. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when, yeah, when Beth comes over here. It's like, <laughs> like, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't know if I, if I, in, if I appreciate or am annoyed by the fact that they just kind of, they like call each other baby occasionally, but like they're very not affectionate with each other. I don't know. There was that, that, I appreciated that moment where, uh, Willow was like, I had too much nog and Tara was like, do you want me to rub your belly, baby? And I'm like, yeah, oh, see that, that's, I want more of that. I want more like dumb, like domestic romantic love between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't no, I feel I feel it like the dumb dumb domestic stuff where like Willow's trying to find a sweater and Tara's like maybe it's in my room. Did you leave? Yeah, it in the they're just room? like <laughs> like I, I think mean, they're together very, all the time. So yeah, like that's good subtext for like clearly they're like going back and forth between staying in each other's rooms. Yeah, yeah, I think they're. I mean, like they're trying, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it also it also feels like they don't really know outside of like those cute passes at things, those little playful winks that like if you're like a savvy, presumed like progressive viewer of Buffy as the Whedon-esque politic was once, you know, kind of famed for, <laughs> you get it. But like it's right. also kind of apparent that like, oh, now we know how kind of like it is a bit for show, it is a bit hollow. There's kind of like a missing core to the queer relationships in Buffy. Right, it's kind of like, what do lesbians do? Do they do they hold hands? Mm-hmm. Do they kiss? Like, uh, it's should we... cute in jokes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're not sure. They're like, no we tops. wouldn't There's know no how bottoms. to show this. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Tara's exactly. like, did, did I leave my strap in your car? Fuck. Yeah. The prop department only has so much flannel. I do think it's fucking hysterical that um, Willow says, why does, why do all my sweaters have dumb shit on them? (laughs) Oh, that was really sweet. I I was wondering, could we talk a little bit about just everyone's reactions? Like how they are processing their grief. It's, it's interesting Mm -hmm. because each one of them, almost represents a different aspect of like the whatever the grief cycle is right yeah it's a little too like pat where it's just like it's i punch things i'm nervous i'm angry (laughs) like yeah and like buffy's doing a lot she's like obviously bargaining because she's having those hallucinations of like joyce coming back to life or whatever um yeah but yeah i i do think it's interesting and then anya is like the only one that I was like, that's totally on point, you know? Yeah. I know. I really felt for her, too, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because she is being really annoying. And, like, she is saying things that you shouldn't say. But, like, death is very strange. Like, I remember when my grandfather died. I was one of the only people who didn't go up to the open casket. Because I just couldn't do de- I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I just mm-hmm. was like... I think it's so strange that we have these, you know, cultural norms that if you don't do them, they're rude. But then, like, we also acknowledge that everyone processes grief differently. And you're like, so I just have to, like, walk up to this casket and look at my grandfather, even though I don't want to. Like, that's really fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you I'm know, sure, I'm sure he wouldn't have want you to be 
uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't I mean, have, like, made you do that. And people have really complicated feelings when someone dies, you know? Like, it's yeah. very complicated and not linear in any way. And um, so, yeah, it does kind of... It is kind of nice to have somebody in the mix, I guess, who is constantly saying the wrong thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then Willow is like, suddenly becomes this like, um, like middle-aged mom Mm -hmm. where she just wants to make sure she looks okay. Yeah. And then I feel so much wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's, she's like, she's like a, just a literal demon at a human funeral. It's like, <laughs> of, co- of course she's going to say weird shit. God knows what she would do at a human funeral a year ago, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, we've already established that she's like a thousand years old and, and like mm-hmm. she knew Santa Claus, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> why? Some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. why do you keep <laughs> expecting her to have normal reactions? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just ugh. so funny that we, first of all, yeah, like, not all funerals all over the world look the same way mm-hmm. either, but it's so wild that we just, like, make an assumption about a thousand-year-old demon that they would be like, yeah, I get funerals. They make total sense to me. Like, they're so rich, like, ritualistic and weird, and we just think they're mm-hmm. normal because that's what we've normalized. Can I tell you my my the last time I went to a funeral in my experience? Sure. It's it's funny, but it's um it wasn't supposed to be funny. Oh no. Yeah, like oh, church dear. giggles. Well, no, no. Um Okay. What happened to me is um, my my grandma uh my grandma died in 2018, I want to say. Um and uh she was like super super Catholic, so she had like a Catholic mass funeral and they mm. did all the they did all the stuff. First of all, um, I didn't know that they had changed a lot of the stuff that they say because I haven't been. I, it's It's been a little while, you know, okay. um, since I've been. So I was saying all the yeah. wrong things and everybody was like, so that was already really great for me. Um, <laughs> and then because we were family, we were like up in front um, and then oh, they, were, yeah. they were doing the communion. And I was close. Oh, enough to, shit. I was close enough to the guy that he was he like gestured it to me and offered it to me. And I made a a, a motion because I was so fucking um, nervous and like feeling a lot of things. I made a motion like, oh, no, thank you. I'm very full. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, have I another couldn't possibly. one. <laughs> I had a big. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> What did oh, you like brutal. rub I'm your so belly? Yeah, I did. I was like, I, I was, and I waved my hand. I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Father. No. Um, yeah, so that's that's great for me. Yeah. You're like, oh, you don't want the body of Christ in this so, shit. Like, yeah, you definitely, yeah, no, I will start, I will start, um, my head will start spinning around and puking like, uh, like the exorcist. Um, you do not want me in here. I literally like felt my skin ting- tingling as soon as I got into the church. I was like, "Oh, the big man Uh-oh. do not want me here." Jesus <laughs> yeah. is not a fan of me being in his in his house with my muddy shoes. You know, oh, enemy man. territory. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing worse like being the do- like I was raised Catholic, but being the daughter of a divorced mom, Ooh, where like rough. when when I was like. Um, when I got communion, it was like, oh, okay, I can go up, but my mom isn't allowed to, 
you're like what yeah the fuck? and like, everybody knows and everybody just looks yeah oh she wouldn't annul her marriage that crazy bitch you know like <laughs> what is wrong with you people yeah yeah <laughs> oh boy um yeah so yeah i I I think I empathized or like related to Anya the most because she was so like out of place and like felt very like I don't know what is the right thing to do so my only uh my only response is going to be like the first knee jerk reaction that I have which is to say no thank you father I'm full. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think that's why That is an amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing reaction. Right, yeah, good stuff. Oh man. <laughs> um I did also love Tara's moment with Buffy. Yeah, that was really beautiful because we yeah. we already knew that her mom was dead from the one episode where her family co- tries to come collect her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that was a really a nice little, and we don't really see the the two of them interact very often. So that was not really, really no. That was a nice little moment for sure. Yeah, and the way it was shot was really beautiful. It's like. St- you know, straight on. Yeah, like, just simple. Buffy's on one end and Tara's on the other. And like, um, I thought everyone did a really good job with like extremely subtle because it's, you know, a more subtle episode, I guess, in a lot of ways than most. Yeah, for sure. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, all the action and humor that, um, <laughs> what's that person from the beginning? Reality hey. check for Reality check for you. For you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love so much about Buffy, but um, just the awkwardness of the way everyone like sort of carried themselves in this episode was really yeah, good. You know, you want to know what I noticed? Um, so Tara in the beginning, when she's very shy, kind of has a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. She she kind of takes a while to get some words out, um, and then as the series progresses and as she develops her relationship with uh, Willow and everybody, she kind of drops it. Kind of drops it away. She gets more confident in her speaking. And I, I noticed that she started to say that, to started to do that again as she's talking to Willow and, and especially in this scene with Buffy. So I thought that was a nice, a nice like character touch yeah. to like, you know, she's out of her, you know, she's kind of off her game out, you know, not as confident as she normally is. So that, that, that nervous kind of like, I don't know what the like scientific name for it, but a speech impediment starts to like rear its uh, head again. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah. And in that scene, Buffy is like, she's got her let her hands between her legs and she's kind of like folded into herself you know like Mm -hmm. yeah trying to find some sort of comfort and you know just being incredibly uncomfortable and awkward and you know not the usual way that we see Buffy um you know like the the sort of like iconic Buffy at the end of um the like opening credits where she's like usually holding some sort of battle axe or something you know yeah exactly completely the opposite yeah very like turned in in on herself Mm -hmm. yeah and like you see how small she is i feel like in this episode in a lot of ways yeah do we have any other yeah thoughts or feelings about (laughs) the body uh oh i just wanted to note to note the like sound effects or, mm-hmm. or like lack thereof you know we talked about like there's no music but like I thought it was really interesting that the the and the reason that they that it sounds like this is they recorded all of the microphones like very close to the actors mm-hmm. so they're uh like they're sort of 
whispers and like the kind of cracks in their voice as they're being very emotional are like way louder than they normally would be. Mm. And I thought that was really a nice touch to like bring you in, you know, as with a show oh, yeah. that's like big kind of action set pieces. You're the audience is like kind of and humor, humor, <laughs> humor and action. Yeah. But the audience is kind of like set at a distance so that we can see everything that's going on. Um, but then this one, they really like brought us like into the room and into the scene with them, which I thought was really nice. And I thought it was yeah. it was interesting how when she's on the I think she's on the phone or something or uh, she's in the kitchen. Oh, it's like after she's like 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 she puked because she's like in shock yes. that there's like just noises on the street because like yeah the world's just going by like your mom yeah your mom just died mm-hmm. but like the the world is just continuing to turn i can't believe they showed like the puke sort of start to like show through the paper towel i was like yeah Safty Brothers directed Buffy or something like <laughs> it gets so gritty visceral, for like yeah. one yeah. moment you know and but yeah and visceral like that scene is pretty amazing where like she look yeah kind of you hear like car horns and then you hear like wind chimes yeah just a normal day outside for everybody else right yeah mm-hmm. it, that's a beautiful scene mm-hmm I mean, I hate to give Joss any credit at all, but maybe he stole it from <laughs> Hitchcock or something. I don't know. It was somebody else. So there, there's, yeah. uh, that, was a, that was a DP. That was uh, Yeah, he went to the bathroom and someone was like, <laughs> I have a great idea. Let's just give Joss credit for it. Oh, <laughs> he was Whedon. um he was in the back room jerking himself off with hundred dollar bills, right? <laughs> we haven't said that in a long time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, that back out. Yeah, let's pretend that you're. Yeah, a DP took care of that. Yeah, (laughs) because it is a beautiful scene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just so lived in. This whole episode is so lived in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's something that very few Buffy episodes feel like organic and in place, and this one is just like so raw. Yeah, it's true. Yep. Yeah, like they all have like a cool sort of ironic distance to them. Mm-hmm. Um, or a lot of them do. And like, it's interesting that like, literally, the mics are closer to them. And so that like distance, both like, like, you don't you feel less distance in this episode. And it part of that is because of like something that materially changed, like in the filming of it. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. There's definitely no cool irony in mm-hmm. this episode at all no no it is it's very raw mm-hmm. good stuff good mm. stuff yeah well thank you ash so much for coming ash, on yay! for like this incredibly serious um momentous episode yeah we'd <laughs> yeah, have a bummer <laughs> of a thursday <laughs> <laughs> no oh my god i had a good time i i, I mean good for for like the first fifty minutes, I had a good time, and then the rest of it, I had a very somber and serious time. Yeah. But no, I love I love coming on. Thanks for the memories, and thank yeah. the two of you so much for inviting me. Um. So yeah, what what do you got going on? You got anything? I mean, obviously, the podcast is chug a lugging along, doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horror vanguard. We just did our three hundredth episode. Yeah. What? That's crazy. And so it was many, how many so hours many. long? 
Uh, that oh, that one that was your... only three hours long. Oh, oh okay. only three hours? Okay. The, the Halloween <laughs> episode the Halloween is just episode. shy of nine hours long. Oh, my God. I That's can't believe you did it. absolutely ne- Neither can I. <laughs> I know. I read the thing, and I was like, that can't be real. Oh, that no, it is. Everybody thinks it's a bit until they hit play, and then they're it's like, why, why is the little scrubber bar not moving forward on my podcast? <laughs> like, now it's a nine-hour episode Surely, I'd be halfway movies. done by now. Nope. Incorrect. <laughs> It's a full day of work. Yeah, yeah right with overtime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope you took bathroom breaks. <laughs> Most mostly just some panicked, panicked screaming breaks. But okay, usual. that's fine too. <laughs> you go. Oh man. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Oh, you know, it's it's the podcast, and then uh, the st- sometime early in the new year, I'm going to get a Substack. So look forward, yes. oh dear listeners, look forward to whatever I'm doing with that. Sweet, excellent. TBD forthcoming. Watch this space. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Radical. I love it. Um, well, yeah. For us, you know, for uh, links to our socials, uh, a link to our Patreon, where you can get after dark episodes where Kate and I just shoot the shit, um, and then to also. Uh, get the show on your podcasting, podcasting, podcatching app of choice. Uh, I'm a professional voice actor. Um, uh, go to fangs.zone. It's all there, all for you. And get in that zone. Get in the zone. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time uh, on Fangs from the Memories. See, see you, suckers. suckers.